Think of It podcast. It has been almost five months since our last episode, but we are officially back. When I first started working on the podcast, I was working part-time, but then right after launching the podcast, I suddenly started a full-time job. And it quickly became very clear that I could not handle doing full-time work and side work, which meant I unfortunately had to put the podcast on pause. However, I recently decided for my health and for what I'm passionate about to go back to working part-time. I am really excited to be back. And I'd also like to thank all of the new listeners that have found the podcast while we have been on break. Today, I had an amazing chat with Michelle, who is a career and chronic illness coach. Michelle has over 15 years experience in mentoring and coaching for people navigating their career while living with a chronic illness, using her own lived experience navigating chronic illness and a demanding career to help others. I hope you enjoy. So do you want to start uh, by telling us a bit about you and what you do? My name is Michelle Irving and I am the CEO and founder of Career and Chronic Illness International and most of the work I do is working with women and people living with chronic conditions. Some people will be navigating their career and other people will be definitely in stages which I've also been in which is mostly in bed or mostly just in being with yourself navigating the health system and having off-ramped from employment and really taking that time out for your health to stabilize, as well as people who are on-ramping back to work, as well as people who are navigating work part-time or full-time. And how did you get into that? So really this work began because I have lived experience of this and over the sort of 18 years of living with chronic conditions, What I did was work out for myself what was the most empowered way for me to be in the world because there's certainly a lot of disempowering ways to be when you live with chronic conditions, whether it's medical treatment, whether it's trying to navigate working arrangements, whether it's in your friendships or even in romantic relationships. So I was really committed to how can I use this experience to really be the most empowered that I could be regardless of what's happening in my physical health. And what happened in that process, certainly I off-ramped from work, uh, was in bed for many, many months and then returned to work a couple of times at about five hours a week spread over three days. But what happened is people watched me do this and they would start to come up to the photocopier where I was and start to disclose about their chronic conditions and they would start to ask how I'd navigated it. And that went on for a couple of years and um, then I just made the transition to doing this work full time. I did some training in somatic therapy and I've built the business organically. And how was that building up that business? So I um, was very focused on it. I had run a business before around philosophy and I did that for 14 years, philosophy in the pub, and I did that part-time. And with this business, I did the same. I coached for quite a while part-time. And then there came a point where I really wanted to go all in. So I got myself a business mentor who specifically did online business mentoring. And I met her in 2019 before COVID. 
And then I signed up for her six month, which turned out in COVID to be about a year program. And that really helped me refine what I was offering, what it looked like to be a digital entrepreneur. And then organically, I really grew the community and the connections and the product base. And have you found that much easier on you and your health, you know, running your own business? Obviously, it can be difficult, but I guess it maybe offer that flexibility that a traditional job doesn't. Yeah, so I'm super great at negotiating, which is why I teach people how to do it. So I had worked remotely for pretty much a decade before COVID and I would go into work for a stakeholder meeting and I might go once a fortnight or something. So that was very normal for me. The freedom I was looking for was the creativity and the passion for this work and I was working in health policy I was doing lots of what we would call ministerial briefings for ministers in the public sector, lots of stakeholder uh, conversations and consultation. But I had this in my heart to create out of my own intellect, out of my own wisdom, out of my own capacity. And this work for me, the number one priority I have is that I work in ways that work for me and my creativity, but also in ways that work for my body. And absolutely, my body is so much better for this process. And in transparency, obviously, I run a business. So there's all the ups and downs of running a business. But for me, it's a deeply spiritual as well as practical process. And so can you run us through what exactly a chronic illness career coach does and how it can benefit someone with a chronic illness or a disability? Sure. So... My focus with everybody, whether you're coming into a free masterclass, whether you're in a group program or whether you're working with me privately, my focus is that you work in ways that work for you and your body. And what we need to do is there, for me, there's about five stages of navigating your career with chronic illness. And this is all available in a map and we'll pop the link in so you can go have a look and you'll have access to this. The first stage I start with is mostly off-ramping because most of us have some point in time where we cannot work, even if it's for a week in a flare. And that stage is really um, a place that is very clarifying usually. And over time, you get clear about what you really want to do because you don't have the bandwidth to waste time. The second stage is where you on-ramp, where you're either returning to work, you're looking for a new job, but you're trying to work out how this is going to work physically as well as emotionally, mentally, and financially. And I call that stage on-ramping because you're literally on-ramping back to work. The third stage is what I call the new. And the new is really, even if it's you've been off for a little while and you're going back to the same team in the same job, it's definitely new because you'll be working out a new daily routine. You'll be working out a new relationship with people. You'll be working out disclosure and how to share with others. And you'll really be working out new identity because there's so much shift in your identity. The fourth stage is test and redesign, which is where we spend 80% of our time working is trying to work out what's the most um, optimal way in which we can work for not just our physical well-being, but actually our emotional well-being, where we stop doing the emotional labor of 
apologizing to everybody about our capacity. And we also stop apologizing for needing modifications and that. So test and redesign is where I spend a lot of time with clients so that we can get the optimal working capacity with the least amount of emotional and mental stress. It's my belief and my experience and the experience of the people I work with that all of this leads you to authentic leadership. It's almost impossible to continue to perform wellness for like years and years and you don't have the bandwidth for all the BS. So sooner or later you'll end up with badass boundaries and great professional healthy relationships that you're trying to navigate and in the end you'll end up in your authenticity and that primes you for authentic leadership. So what a career um, coaching process looks like is working out where you are on the map, what you need, what you want, and then how to use that and do that with daily tools in your daily working life. Yeah, and I think it is really hard because there isn't a map no one tells you how to go into a workplace and deal with chronic illness and disability. And most workplaces or most people in workplaces don't talk about it. And, you know, we know that workplaces are supposed to give us accommodations, but we may not know how to approach that or what accommodations we can even ask for. Exactly. So I think it does really help having someone to actually guide you in that. And do you find most of your clients, are they working full-time or part-time? So people are at various stages. Some people are in on-ramping. We're running a beautiful um, program called Elation, and I called it Elation very specifically. It's not a word you associate with chronic illness. But really the feeling of being able to navigate this with confidence, the feeling's elation. You know what it's like when you can get a run on the board, whether that's you actually, you know, are up out of bed for a few days, where you've got some capacity. And you're absolutely right. Nobody teaches you how to have this conversation and nobody's teaching the managers how to have this conversation either. So often you are in a leadership role leading your manager through the process. And you're trying to work out how to communicate what's good for you. And the number one thing in that is, and this is where the power is, and this is where it can be confronting. Most of us want to talk about the aspiration of our well-being, and we want to tell them like the top of the line, which is like what's possible when we're 100%, you know, the day when we've got it all working for us. And that's what we almost set as the baseline expectation. But when we set our aspiration for ourselves as a baseline and for our colleagues and managers, we can be a long way from that baseline in the reality and it adds a lot of emotional and mental pressure. So our focus is really to get you into what is your minimum baseline and then we build from that, and that adds a lot of clarity and communication. And we always want to talk about what we can do, not what we can't do. We want to steer this conversation with clarity into what we can do. And that can be as simple as what can I handle mentally for how long and what does it look like? Can I read? There's been times where I can't read. I can have a meeting over the phone, but I can't read. Um, I can't take the information on. And physically, if I've got vertigo, I literally cannot read the lines. And emotionally, we want to know how much capacity do we have to chat to people? 
like depending on your well-being, you may have much less capacity to handle the socialising talk at work and you want to save your spoons for having the conversations that are important. And it's this type of, you know, nitty-gritty that we want to get into not to tell a story of, gee, this is a bit complex, but actually to tell the story of this is the baseline and from here we build. And when do you recommend that people have that initial conversation, just the basic, this is what I have? Do you recommend that in the interview process or not until you've gotten the job? So it depends on the person. It depends on you. I've done it both ways. I've absolutely declared an interview and I've got clients who are in really serious roles in Washington, D.C., and they have declared along the interview. And I want to tell you a little bit about that. You would think in management consulting in Washington, D.C., that the last thing you want to do is disclose that you've been off work for six years with a chronic condition. But actually, if you look at even the peer support work you've been doing, any voluntary, any part-time work, you actually have been processing this and you've probably been doing some things that have a real contribution towards work. So I have a client who did declare that she had have a chronic condition and that she had also been working part-time in the health sector, et cetera. Now, what was interesting, some interviews there was like, there was clearly not going to be a pathway for her. But actually, she ended up negotiating with an amazing company who saw that as something they wanted to break into more in the health sector. And actually, her skills were an absolute bonus. And she is leading their conversations around chronic conditions in their diversity, equity and inclusion in that company. So you get to decide what you want to share. I've also done it the other way where I've gone for a full-time job and I've negotiated for a part-time role and it's come to the negotiation. I've said, look, you can have the best of me for three days a week and that's what's available. And the thing about this is we want to have this conversation with confidence because they're getting a fantastic deal with you. Most of us think we're in the burden space. So we always think that there's something that they're giving us almost like they're giving us a free kick or they're, they're doing something amazing. And we forget that we are amazing. And we come in with incredible creativity, incredible adaptability, incredible capacity to work in a crisis situation, as well as lots of intelligence and a lot of strategy. And we want to sit in that confidence in the conversation. And what do you think the biggest struggle that you find with your clients is when it comes to having a chronic illness in the workplace? So I think the biggest struggle is the confidence about it and feeling like we have to perform wellness and the pressure, particularly emotionally and mentally, around performing wellness. And part of that is that we have a really rubbish story of illness. And so we have a story of illness where you get sick and then somehow you might get sicker and then you get well. And so when we live with chronic conditions, long-term chronic conditions, people like are either, so when are you going to get better in order to be able to do the job? Or they're like, you have no capacity for your career, let alone career progression, because you've got this chronic condition. 
And both of those stories are untrue and both of those stories don't serve us. And so the biggest thing is having to hold the empowered story and basically bring people forward with you. And that takes a lot of energy. But what we want to do is strip out the energy that we're spending apologizing, feeling like a burden, doing things that don't work for us, working in ways that don't work for our body. We want to cull that so we actually can have these conversations that genuinely move us in ways that work for us in our role. Yeah. And what do you think the hardest thing is for employers to understand? You think it's just that they don't understand how chronic illness works? I think most people have no idea. Um, There's two things. One, a lot of people have chronic conditions and don't identify with having it. So people will have back pains um, and chronic back pain, and it will take them a long time in this conversation to acknowledge that that's actually a chronic condition. The other thing is, and we're in an Australian context here, We know that in the private sector, 29% of people working in the private sector have a long-term health condition. In the public sector, it's somewhere between 34 to 36% of people are living with a long-term chronic health condition. Some of that will be mental health. Some of that will be, you know, disability that's very visible. And a lot of it will be hidden disability and hidden illness. And so the reason that it's hard for employers is that everybody sees it as an individual, not us as a collective. And once we start to have the conversation around us being we're a part of a whole collective at work and there's lots of people in this group, the conditions may be different, but the actual experience emotionally and at work will have a lot of similarities. And so employers are just coming to terms with this, but they really are seeing it as an individual level and just leaving it to managers and staff to work out when actually this is a system-wide cohort and there's a lot of capacity for us to do new things here. Yeah, I think it really does just come back to conversation and talking about it as the first step for everything. You know, people used to be scared to say the word disability or disabled and some people still are. But that's how you start that. That's how you tell people that it's okay is by just having that conversation. Absolutely. And I wish a decade before I did, I had talked about my chronic condition as a disability because it would have shifted the conversation. It would have given me a whole lot access to a whole lot of policies and it would have put me in a very different relationship with human resources and managing and Mm -hmm. I didn't because I was in the illness space thinking I had to get well or trying to manage illness but actually it's absolutely the case that I had an invisible disability and it was episodic. Are there particular type of careers that you found for your clients that work best with the chronic illness or disability? I think the most important thing is where your creativity and energy goes. We want something that brings you energy when you think about it and do it. And we definitely don't want to be in the jobs that drain our energy um, because that, that workload, whether it's even if it's just mental and social at work, that's really taking up a lot of spoons. Whereas if it's something that gives us a bit of life force and a bit of excitement, even if it's only for a couple of hours a week or five or 10 hours a week, we want to move towards what I call our career of choice. That's practical. 
there are times where we have to transition into that. And so we all have the rent to pay or the mortgage to pay or housing and food security. And so that's why we're such great strategists. But we always want to have a light and an eye on the career of choice that we want to move into. Because if we don't, we don't make our way towards it if we don't have it as a light. And a lot of us will say we can't do it. We can't have that career of choice. It's not possible for us. And what I would say to you is I can think of a thousand ways you can have that career. It will look different to the way that you thought it would. Um, you know, we may not be skydiving, but we absolutely can use your passion, talents and skills and we can reframe it in a way that does work for you. And often you will be creating a whole new path, not just for yourself, but for everybody coming after you. And what is your biggest tip for someone trying to navigate their career with a chronic illness or disability? So my biggest tip is to firstly stop apologizing. You have not done anything wrong. You have a medical condition. And with that goes, you're not negotiating based on your preferences. You're, both, you're negotiating and looking for accommodations based on your medical condition. And so the second part of that is to always say you are following medical advice. You are not doing this out of preference about the work, et cetera. You're actually following medical advice about what's appropriate for you and what is not appropriate for you. And this comes down to workplace health and safety because we want to have you in places which are not only physically safe for you, but also mentally and emotionally safe, which comes under the new Australian legislation of psychosocial health and well-being. There's nothing to apologize for. You are having an experience that is deep and profound and you are navigating something very complex and you have so much to offer as long as we get you the right support. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. This is such a interesting space. I think so many of us don't really know how to navigate and so I can 100% see why having someone help you navigate it would be so helpful. Um, where can we find you Yes, so you can find me and the map that we talked about, the career and chronic map at careerandchronicillness.com. You can also find me on Instagram with lots of content there under at Michelle Irving, I-R-V-I-N-G, official. There's just, I had to find something to claim the handle, so it's Michelle Irving official. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to get our episodes every two weeks and to leave a review if you are enjoying the podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sick of It Podcast and Instagram at Sick of It underscore podcast. I'll talk to you soon.